In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be. Have you ever heard of the giver's glow? Science is showing now that uh, those who give, those who volunteer, and those who give of their money to help others, either to a charity or directly to others, are happier, healthier, um, they are uh, reducing their stress, they're increasing their meaning in life, and they're living longer. They're living longer. Uh, I read a great article this week called um, Prescription, It's Good to Be Good. This was written in 2017 by Stephen Post. Uh, and he talks about prescribing volunteerism for health, happiness, resilience, and longevity. And the gist of it is, in 2010, there was a survey done of 4,500 Americans. Turned out that about 41% of those volunteered. And of those who volunteered, 96% agree that volunteering makes people happier. 68% of volunteers agree that volunteering has made me feel physically healthier. 92% said it enriches my purpose in life. 73% um, say that it lowered my stress levels. Uh, and 78% say it helps with recovery from loss and disappointment. Uh, also, volunteers have less trouble sleeping, have less anxiety, have less helplessness, and less hopelessness, so they're more helpful and more hopeful. They have better friendships, better social networks, and a sense of control over chronic conditions. Um, this article goes on to talk about how volunteering has affected adolescents, how it reduces substance abuse and, um, and bad behavior in adolescents and how it improves the health and life quality in adults and older adults. And they even go so far as to sample specific populations and show its effects on alcoholics, on chronic pain sufferers. If you suffer chronic pain, volunteering and helping others will actually reduce your pain. Um, MS patients, cardiology patients, mental illness patients, um, on and on and on. And I was fascinated by this article. And then the last quarter of the article, it says, but does giving money have the same benefits as face-to-face -face helping? And it says, in general, the benefits of helping others are more pronounced in person-to-person -person hands-on activities because a social interaction engages psychological and biological systems more extensively. However, there is a benefit to giving money either to those in need or to charities. Um, and there was a study done uh, by three different national institutes working together, Neurological Disorders, uh, Mental Health, and Institute on Aging. And they did this study to show the um, physiological state of the brain 
when someone is giving uh, to others in need. And um, basically, it says uh, they had 19 participants who were each given money and a list of causes to which they might contribute. Um, and the MRI that they did on the brain revealed that making a donation to a cause that people believed in to be good um, activated the brain's reward center, which is responsible for dopamine-mediated euphoria. Okay, in other words, making a donation activates a part in your brain which releases dopamine, which is the hit that you go for every time you turn on social media. Every time your phone goes dee, there's dopamine that's released, and you're like, oh, I'm important. Somebody loves me, right? And like, that's dopamine. Every time you have a piece of chocolate, and you're like, oh, God loves me. That's dopamine working, okay? And that same part of your brain is activated when you give money away to a cause that you believe in. Um, there were all sorts of other studies that were done. Um, students were asked in a control group to do five random acts of kindness in a week for six weeks. And the students who did that, as opposed to the students who didn't, reported better health and increased happiness. Um, there were a couple of other uh, really interesting studies done. One involved uh, people and receiving bonuses at work. And they asked people, what did you do with your bonus? Um, and those who gave some of it away, who spent some of it on others, either charities or gifts to other people, reported more satisfaction than those who simply um, spent it on themselves. Um, so anyway, there's a lot here, um, but I think you get the picture. Um, the amount of money that you received as a bonus in this one study had no impact on one's happiness. It was what people did with it that had the impact. Okay? So think about that. We just got our PFDs. If you, so the idea is like, if you get your PFD, it doesn't matter how big it is, you aren't going to be happier. If you go spend it on a TV for yourself, your happiness will be very limited. But if you do something really worthwhile with that PFD, you're going to be happier longer. Okay, that's what this would say. Um, it, all of this helps, and it helps you be physically healthier because um, stress and anger and those sort of negative emotions have, um, have a, an inverse effect on your physical health. It's bad for you, right? More stress, more anger, more resentment, um, more frustration, like it causes ulcers and higher blood pressure and higher cholesterol and all these things, right? And this article says it's hard to be angry at the world when you are actively caring for people. So um, they even, in their conclusion, they even quote from Acts chapter 20 where St. Paul quotes Jesus saying it is better to give than to receive. That quote is not in the Gospels. But St. Paul says, remember the words of our Lord, it is better to give than to receive. And that's quoted here in a scientific article, which simply says doctors need to start prescribing that people volunteer for about two hours a week. 
and start making donations to charity. So they say it's good to be good and they talk about the giver's glow. The giver's glow, so that feeling of euphoria you have when you're doing something good makes you feel good. It's called the giver's glow. And I was thinking about that in the context of today's gospel reading where we hear the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And, you know, the rich man, he lived his life and he probably had a very nice glow, very nice face wash and whatever, shampoo, his hair is very shiny, I'm sure, um, during his life. And then he dies and he goes to hell. And he certainly had a glow there, right? So the question is, do you want the giver's glow that comes from the grace of God, or do you want the selfish glow that comes from the torment of Hades? That's really the question we need to be asking ourselves. It doesn't, the gospel doesn't say that the rich man stole any of his money. It doesn't say that he was unlawful. See, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, you'd be punished for stealing, right? Um, but as long as you didn't steal anything, you're okay. Christ raises the bar, and he, Christ says, like, basically, if you're not giving money away, you're going to be in trouble. The theft occurs when you hold everything for yourself and you're being selfish. Christ is going after the heart. Remember in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Um, but nevertheless, this rich man is in Hades and he's being tormented and he's having this really interesting conversation with Abraham across the chasm, right? So Lazarus is in the bosom of Abraham. That's the metaphor for heaven. And, but in this parable, uh, Lazarus is there with Abraham and the rich man's talking to Abraham. And he says, hey, send me back to warn my brothers because they're walking the same path. So only after experience severe pain does he start considering other people. Abraham says it's, it's really too late. He says, but, he, Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. And he says, but they won't listen to Moses and the prophets because I didn't. But if one rises from the dead, they will listen. And Abraham says, no, they won't. And for us, we can say, we have one risen from the dead, and are we listening to him? And even then, to prove the point, to prove the point of Abraham that Moses and the prophets are enough, of course, where did Moses hear his stuff from? Is from our Lord, right? In Deuteronomy 15, 7, 8, and 10, Here's what Moses says. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren within any of the cities in your land, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall surely open your hands to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his need, whatever he needs, and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him. Moses is talking about the heart. Your heart should not be grieved when you give to him, because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in everything to which you put your hand. That's what Moses says. 
Abraham says, if they aren't listening to that, they won't listen to you coming back from the dead. I found some other quotes, Proverbs, even Judith, Tobit, and the Old Testament. I'll share a few of those with you. He who trusts in riches, this man will fall, but he who helps the righteous, this man will rise. Proverbs 11. Proverbs 17. He who laughs at the poor provokes the one who made him, but he who has compassion will be shown mercy. Proverbs 28. He who gives to the poor shall not be in want. Proverbs 19, the one who has mercy on the poor lends to God, and he will repay him according to his gift. That sounds an awful lot like Matthew 25, right? I was in prison, you visited me, I was naked, and you clothed me. I was hungry, you gave me food. In Tobit chapter 4, Tobit tells his son Tobias, almsgiving delivers us from death and prevents us from entering into the darkness. Well, there you have it. Tobit listened to Moses and the prophets. He got it. So what does this mean? What does this all mean? Really, you have to ask yourself, what kind of glow do you want when you die? Do you want the glow that comes from the light of Tabor, from the glory of God, or do you want the glow that comes from the fire of hell? Our Lord puts people in front of us all the time who are in need. And are we shutting our hearts to them or are we lending to God? Are we laughing at them? Are we judging them? They really should get to work. Well, what if they can't? Our Lord will not judge us based on whether or not we avoid getting scammed by a homeless person, by a beggar. This parable is very clear. He will judge us based on the generosity of our heart. Abbot Trifon has a good system that I think is very helpful. Abbot Trifon takes a dollar bill, a five dollar bill, a ten dollar bill, a twenty dollar bill, puts it in his pocket. And when he sees somebody in need, he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out whatever bill he grabs, and that's what they get. Um, it's really difficult, like I don't carry cash in my pockets, right? Um, so, but I often see people in the car when I'm driving. They're sitting on the corners, right? Down by the post office, holding a sign over by Fred Meyer, wherever it is. So what I started doing is I so, said, okay, I'll just fold up these bills and put them in my car so I can easily grab them, right? At least I'm doing something. Right? And I'm not trying to boast about this. I'm trying to say there is a way to do this. But where do I invest my time? I'm investing my time at Frontline Mission. Because they help those in need with compassion. So would it be great if everybody went out and volunteered? Yes. Is everybody able to do that? Probably not. But there's probably more that you can do than you're doing now. And at the very least, back off the judgment and condemnation of those who are in need. The story of Job should remind us that we are all just one disaster away from being poor and destitute. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And we might think, no, I worked for everything I got. You were not born in a vacuum. 
Every good and perfect gift is from above and cometh, from, cometh down from the Father of lights. Everything is from God. And everything we have is a gift from God and we are stewards of what we have. We are not owners of it. And this is true even in the church. What's the quickest way to grow a church budget? Start giving money away to charity. When this church wasn't tithing and wasn't giving anything away in charity, we were losing money month after month after month. When we started tithing and when we started giving charity away, when we started increasing our charity portion of our budget, things started falling into place. I can't explain it other than to say it happens all the time. So, our Lord is going to give us a glow. We can have the benefits, the physiological health benefits, and the emotional benefits of helping other people in this life, and the grace of God that comes with that, that comes with sharing the love of God, or, or we can do it our way, do it the way of this rich man, and say, it's mine, I'm entitled to it, I worked for it, I don't owe anybody anything. They need to do better on their own. And then we'll have a different kind of glow after we meet the Lord. It, it seems actually really straightforward to me. We don't have to solve everybody's problem. The person on the street, we don't have to analyze them and solve their problem. And we don't have to suspect that they're going to use the money for some bad purpose. Maybe they will. If they do, that's on them. That's between them and God. It's not my problem. If somebody asks me for money for lunch and they go spend it on alcohol, like that's, that's between them and God. But I know what I'm going to be judged on. I will be judged on whether or not I have loved my neighbor as myself on whether or not I have seen the image of God in those whom I meet. Remember the words of Tobit. Almsgiving delivers us from death and prevents us from entering into the darkness. Brothers and sisters, let us not laugh at the poor and provoke the one who made him. Let us rather have compassion on those whom we encounter and ask God for mercy on us, both in this world and in the world to come, so that we can be filled with the grace of God and shine with the glory of the light of Christ and have the true giver's glow that comes from the ultimate giver of good things. To Christ our God, the Savior of our souls, be glory, honor, and worship together with the Father and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto ages of ages. Amen. Christ is in our midst. He is and ever shall be.